Hello fellow lovely cinema lovers, as we emerge like weed lockdown bruised moths from our government sanctioned chrysalis. Theatres are open, the sun is shining, and it's time for another episode of For Your Reconsideration, and another movie that's been left to dim obscurity. It's time to shine a light once again into these dark corners and see what we've got. Will we find an empty husk, or will we stumble upon a beautiful, unbeknownst butterfly? I'm Robin here as Simon and James. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell you had a few weeks to write that, Rob. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Edit process went on forever on that one. I, I, it went to be flower power in the end. I feel a little bit... Um, Earth connected. I liked it. It was good. Thank you. How are you, fellas? It's been ages. Oh, I know. I know. Unplanned, isn't it? Real world impinging on our frivolity. I think is the best way to describe it. (laughs) Absolutely outrageous. But it's great to be back. Great to be back. It's super, isn't it? But you're both well. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm. 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 I'm had. I'm happy. Things have opened up, and I've been able to whet my whistle properly rather than just Ooh, yeah. in my house depressingly on a couch for <laughs> several hours a night. Uh, no, it's been good. Good. Excellent stuff. Well, during this period, I suppose there's a lot to digest in terms of what you've been watching this week. Yes, yes. So um, as you mentioned in your intro, Rob, the theatres are open again. So I've been to the cinema a couple of times since they reopened. So first up, one that I was really, really looking forward to, Godzilla versus Kong, which I think oh. we discussed on this pod earlier in the year. To be honest, I was a little bit disappointed by it. I'm one of the few people who enjoyed the previous installment, so I was very much looking forward to the two titans clashing on the big screen. As it stands, this is the most incoherent of the series, to the point that 25 minutes in, I genuinely didn't know what was happening. <laughs> and I, I still don't, if I'm honest. But... It delivered mostly what I wanted, namely Godzilla and Kong knocking seven bells out of each other like two drunks in a Weatherspoon's <laughs> car park. So, you know, you Fresh out pay of your money, you take your chance to. <laughs> yeah. um, the other film that I've been to see at the cinema, so uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Uh, yes. You guys heard of oh, this Oh, is that um, Hello High Water Dude? That is like yes, it is. Yes, yeah. so it's the most solid thriller of summer 1993, and that's no bad thing. It stars... Angelina Jolie as a smoke jumper with a haunted past, and it's directed by Taylor Sheridan. Everyone involved is completely overqualified, but the cast and the crew commit to the pretty formulaic material with gusto. It's really well staged, super lean storytelling, with a real mean streak running through it, and it's 100 minutes long. I mean, oh. what more can you ask for? Um, apart from some shonky CGI fire, this was an enjoyable time at the movies, and I would like more star-led mid-budget thrillers, please. I agree with that. That's lovely. Yeah, Enjoy I that. totally agree. Oh yeah, more genre stuff. There's nothing exactly. like genre stuff. Yeah, it's it. based on a book. Apparently, it reminded me a lot yes. of that uh, PS4 game uh, Firewatch because oh, a, what a game! Yeah, yeah, because basically there's a forest fire, but there's also some psychos trying to kill a kid at the same time, and Jolie's got to step in and uh, and help him out uh, while battling her demons from the past. I mean, you you know exactly what's going to happen in the movie from the minute it starts, but it's uh, it's enjoyable all the same. And uh, yeah, I hadn't seen Jolie in anything, I don't think, as a lead, because I haven't seen the Maleficent films. Love him. I hadn't seen her in anything as a lead since 2010's Salt. <laughs> wow. That was like 11 years ago. Sheesh. It's good that she's still still. I do want to see it because I really like Taylor Sheridan. I I love all his previous movies. 
they're such a good slice of Americana that we don't yeah. really get in Britain that much. So it's good that we, you know, I, yeah, I really like, I really like his movies. Super cool. I, I'm desperate to see that. Well, desperate implies, you know, that I'd have seen it already. I mean, I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sai? What have you seen? Well, I actually went and watched, uh, even though it was quite a while since we spoke, Jens, I, I watched both the movies you recommended on the last episode. So um, oh. I watched Love and Monsters, which was just ace, just really good, uh, amazing creature design. Oh, brilliant. Really, really enjoyed it. But then I also watched School of Rock Rob, which I'd never oh. seen before. Oh, really? Never seen it. Oh. If there was, like, oh my God, if there was ever a film written and made for a specific person, it is School of Rock. <laughs> it's it's so feel-good as well, isn't it? Like, you can't, like, it sets out to do something, and boy, does it achieve it for me. Yeah. The the, the movie is propelled by Black's chutzpah <laughs> and his showmanship and his ability to dive into the role as hard as he did. It's like anyone else plays that and they're not getting away with it because yeah. he's a horrendous human being. But Jack Black gets away with it because it's really good. And, um, and he's he's the best in the business of going like, bigger, bigger, goo, 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 goo. Yeah. you know, that kind of stuff when it's done musically, not like me having an absolute breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, very, it's very good. Uh, but yes, as the cinemas, as we've mentioned, the cinemas did open. So I did go to the cinema, um, which was just marvellous. Um, and I went to... The Genesis, I've only been to the Genesis because it's my, I've mentioned it several times on this podcast, but it is my favourite cinema in London. And I went to watch um, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which is an extremely well-made and sadly still quite pertinent story of Fred Hampton, who championed socialism only to be portrayed as a terrorist and a villain by the US government and the FBI in the late 70s. Obviously, Daniel Kaluuya won an Oscar for this recently. Um, which was hugely deserved. There's still an argument over whether it should have been for leading performance or support. Um, but I do, I do like the Keith Stanfield, but who you know who was also nominated. But yeah, Daniel Kaluuya is just on another level with this one. He's really? just incredible, like exudes charisma. And I, I think it's a word we'll, we'll say. <laughs> Maybe it's a word we've said a lot, or we don't try to say because it sounds really wanky. But. <laughs> Uh, gravitas he has gravitas that's a great word yeah he's just superb in it and you know much like the person he's portraying in the film you know who has that pull as a person you will listen to him and you'll watch him and you'll be enamored with him what he puts in front of the microphone or in his case on screen much like fred hampton did Uh, he was like 21 or something fred hampton when he got murdered and it's just Astonishing. It's a it's a crazy story. It's it's a really sad story, but it's it's very well made. It's a very good film. So yeah, definitely rec- uh, recommend that. Um, and then I also watched Minari, which was just magic. I absolutely loved it. Oh, loved that film. Loved it. It was just funny and heartwarming and incredibly touching. Um, sad, obviously, because what Oscar film is really sad? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was great. I it was a it was a wonderful movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Ultimately, quite life affirming, though. 
I thought. I've, it is. Yeah. yeah, I thought. Yeah, it was. It was. It's not like it's not. It's not depressing at all. I didn't think it has its sad moments, but it's actually my favourite out of all the best pictures. I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet because I was going to see that, and then the showing that I was going to had they put it in the smallest cinema and it had sold out. So then I went to see the smoke jumping movie instead. <laughs> um, <laughs> so cool. Um, <laughs> For myself, I mean, get you guys with your cinema trips. Like, um, it only dawned on me, like, middle of the week, like, whoa, whoa, they're open, you know. Um, so we, we've got a, an Odeon cinema voucher for the family that we got at Christmas time that we're waiting to cash in on with the perfect trip. So I don't know what that'll be. Um, but we have been watching quite a bit. Um, but the, the top things I can think of are <sighs> Camp Cretaceous Season 3, absolutely incredible. Unreal came out last week, so good. Um, I when Becky was out, sorry, Mrs. Parker was out. I uh said to the kids, Would you like to watch a film about giant worms that eat people <gasps> if you make too much noise? And they said, Yes, why not? So we watched Tremors. <laughs> Tremors is brilliant, though, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely good. brilliant, yeah. And, and and I'm convinced it's only a 15 because. Of well, there's some pretty graphic violence, but there's also <laughs> which I didn't edit, but I did definitely edit the bit which I'm going to trust Simon to also edit, which is when um, a, a big fat are there bubes? Although <laughs> <laughs> no, no, bu- no, no anatomy, no anatomy. It's when um, a, a tremor. I th- are they called? I mean, they call them like snake snakeoids, don't they? You know, but a, sn- a graboid goes through the the wall of a, a viaduct and dies because it hits the concrete, and while it's you know dying and bleeding and stuff, Kevin Bacon shouts, "F you!" <laughs> In the greatest, you know, please bleep that. So I can't stress that enough. But it. You know, so I definitely fast forwarded that bit. But aside from that, they absolutely loved it. They love the creature stuff. They love it when people get eaten. <laughs> Robin's now uh, my little lad. He absolutely loves Godzilla. He loved Kong for a long time. He now loves Godzilla. So Godzilla v Kong is well on our radar. Um, but to bring us to a contemporary not Minari, point, not Minari, yeah. not Minari. No, no, no. <laughs> to be fair, try it with him. <laughs> when Robin sees uh, Godzilla versus Kong, can he give me a call and explain the first half an hour? To <laughs> I mean, whenever I ask him for an explanation on Godzilla, he said, "He stand up, he smash." Right, so yeah, <laughs> that maybe maybe that's what we're looking for here. Um, but as a contemporary pick, I watched the Woman in the Window, which was the uh, it's just come on Netflix. I think it was scheduled oh, Amy for Adams a, one. Amy yeah, Adams. scheduled for a big theatrical release. Uh, obviously, hasn't had that. And super cast in this, based on a book by AJ Finn of the same title. It, it, I do urge people to read about. That gentleman, though, that's really I've heard there's an story. amazing article. There's an incredible story here, which, because of my profession, I can't talk about. So, <laughs> we'll save that for a rainy day. But anyway, um, I find um, unreliable female narrators really hard going in fiction because I just they just wind me up like mad because I don't want my my own girls to ever behave like that. Like you know, because I don't think women do behave like that most of the time. So, and I don't think human beings behave like that most of the time. So, um, I think there's a bad rap on the infuriating female unreliable narrator thing, which sells by the truckload in supermarkets everywhere. But this role was elevated by a brilliant Amy Adams, who is super in everything she's in. Um, but she brings like such a wealth of heart to this and commitment. Um, great cast, as I said, uh, Gary Oldman. 
uh, being on the... You know, you don't know where the, you don't know which way to go with this fella, and that's really fun, really fun. Um, but yeah, it's good. Really dark too. So yeah, lots, lots to enjoy there. Actually, I, you know what? I actually wrote this down thinking like it's one to avoid, and actually no, I've come round as I've talked about it and said like no, this is one to enjoy. Go check it out at least to make your own mind up. Oh, um, brilliant! Yeah, no, it's it's all right. You're the only person I know who's given that a decent review, Rob, because everyone yeah. else has absolutely laid into it. <laughs> As we know, I'm not really a barometer for quality, James. Um, But um, (laughs) what happens is usually we go to bed at night and as I'm reading... As you uh, do. It's a good time to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to read next to Mrs. Parker and Mrs. Parker puts... I've been doing it wrong all these years. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so she has a movie on in the background and we had another one on only last night. Uh, Last night's one being uh, Things Heard and Seen, uh, which... Uh, is another Netflix uh, one, and that's got Amanda Seyfried in it as well. Another book adaptation that Netflix has got um, got their hands on, and it, again, this one, it, it just it, uh, this one was really unfulfilling actually. Uh, so I just lie in bed reading, and then I chunna. I, I must be a nightmare. I just like, <laughs> you know, listening to this like, this ain't Seagal. <laughs> You know, like that kind of stuff. And then eventually I'll turn over and start watching it, you know, and that's what happened with the Amy Adams one. So, yeah, that that probably says, you know, if you can make me get interested when I'm reading about Bigfoot or Seagal, then you win, basically. Um, just before we dive into tonight's film, can we just have a little bit about film Twitter? Because film Twitter, we left you alone for a little bit to see whether you could behave yourselves, and obviously you didn't. So it's time for the woodshed. Um... More and more people are fishing for clicks, aren't they? With stuff like, ooh, what's the worst movie you've seen this year? And ooh, what's, you know, what's the worst, uh, I don't know, performance from Leonardo DiCaprio you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> and everything has this... It's annoying how all the, the bad stuff gets the biggest traction Why? Well, this like... is it. Why is it? It's happening more and more, this sort of fishing for negativity. Um, and then two articles came out in the last couple of weeks that showed me that tonally, this is coming right from the very top. And the supposed creme de la creme of the critical fraternity is actually not only endorsing it, but is is fertilising this. There was an article in the Telegraph from a critic who I won't name um, about Mortal Kombat who said that the movie was for idiots. Uh, then The Guardian wrote a massive editorial about why 20 years down the line, they don't think Shrek, they don't think Shrek is very good. Ooh, there's a hot take. That was a terrible. I remember seeing that one. That was. A, what? I I don't like Shrek. I'm not going to be well, honest. I, I don't mean, like I, it. I'm but absolutely indifferent. That article yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. What is wrong <laughs> here? You guys are supposed to be the bastions up there with the bastions of film criticism, and this kind of divisive negativity is awful. And also, it's treating the audience with contempt. It's no wonder it filters down into sort of normal everyday discourse. We can all have fun chatting cinema and opinion. It really is the spice of life. And it's great to discuss our likes and dislikes because it's all part of the the overall conversation. Um, And I'm beginning to think there's a role and a duty for these outlets to preserve this discourse and elevate it. Do it in the right way. Don't prompt division. It's interesting because I saw... um... I saw actually a course for film writers um, and film critics, which I thought was um, the way they advertised it was was very good. Let me try and find it. Um, and they basically sell it as if if I can just read verbatim. Um, if you're interested in criticism that strives for more than synopsis and opinion, then please apply. 
there is a space for those of us that that the status quo doesn't want. I want to help you make that space. Nice. Yeah, mm. I just love that line of like um, that strives for more than synopsis and opinion. Yeah, because that's what I see in film criticism these days. It's just explain the film, tell you why I don't like it. And instead of looking yes. at the film as, yeah, this is why the film is good, and this is why the film, it's just, yeah, or or acknowledging that subjectivity might play a part here, that we might feel differently about it. the The problem I have with those types of articles and why I find it difficult to get upset about them is because they're they're designed to promote this type yes. of reaction. Yeah, and I, I just refused. To give in to them. Uh, You're right, mate. I'm, 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 yeah, right. absolutely. I bit, I bit hard. Yeah. I was like, I'm on the end of the rod here, flailing it around. Going, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen the new Mortal Kombat, and but I haven't to, to say that if if people enjoyed it, they're idiots. Is it's just out of order, really, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like, really we've, on. We've just it's, it's disrespect, right? One person's trash is another man's treasure. That is that is an age old adage. This like, podcast, that's what it is. This is exactly. <laughs> man exactly if you don't like something that is fine that is a-okay that's great but also if you do like something that is also a-okay we've mentioned that i hate that phrase guilty pleasure there's no such thing if you love something love the hell out of it don't feel bad about that um but don't belittle someone because they happen to like something that you don't because that's classic playground bullying is that you know like oh you're into pogs Ooh. You big pogs. No you one big said whatever that. Well, you everyone, everyone got pogs. But what I think is like, right? I love you know. I, I've dragged JCVD, Seagal, and Bigfoot to this podcast more times than any of us would care to count. Yes. And does that make me an idiot? In the eyes of these outlets, probably yes. So Telegraph Guardian. <laughs> In the eyes of us. <laughs> I would like to believe you guys are better than this. Because you should be. And like everyone's falling out all over the place. And it's coming from you guys too. So sort it out, please. This is it. This is woodshed warning, all right? Sort is it that, out. Is that me is and too... James or is that Lister? No, not you. <laughs> no, this is film Twitter. You're on two strikes now. Seriously. You don't want a third. I'm telling you. It is shocking, isn't it? Some of the shit what comes. Oh, it's just it's it's <laughs> mind-numbingly and it's wearisome and it's just I'm tired of people getting wound up about the absolute minutia. How lucky are you? Oh, I'm I'm so, you know, let's have a look at the worst blockbusters ever made. Like we should be absolutely thankful that these movies get made in the first yeah, place. It's true. It's true. <laughs> right, so with that in mind, do, yeah. Do we do we have a question this week, Rob? Actually, <laughs> with all that in well, mind, do we have a question? Great. The, the question is, you know, to absolutely puncture what I've just said is that we're going to talk about great scenes in bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to phrase that in a very positive way because that's what this podcast is all about. We're going to talk about, and this message came from Paul at Filmbusters. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, Filmbusters, great pod. Get over there, uh, yeah. and check them out. Love those uh, guys. Yeah, yeah really love those guys. Big really supporters, good. and we support you guys too. Keep fighting the good fight, guys. We're talking about great scenes. So, what great scenes spring to mind in in otherwise um, less uh, celebrated films? Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Yeah, I, I like this sort of question as well because even if the film doesn't isn't as successful as it should be, or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't achieve what it sets out to, or it's not well received, usually in any film, and I literally mean any film you can find some redeeming quality in it. So I think it's good to go and have a look at some scenes that, in films that aren't well-received 
and say, you know what, this element of it was really, really well done. So I've got a couple, actually. Nice. Um, so first up, you know what is a film that is always lambasted? Um, is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm. Yes, but dude. What I really enjoy in that film is the opening montage. Have you? Do you guys remember that? Yeah, the, it's like uh, Wolverine through the ages, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. It's pure wish fulfillment as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it's basically Logan and his brother Sabretooth scrapping their way through every armed conflict of note, basically. It's amazing. The action is really well choreographed. You see the two of them getting maimed and maiming multiple times in various PG-13 friendly ways, and it sets up <laughs> the central conflict between the siblings. I mean, it's a shame that the rest of the film can't quite come up to that same standard, but as an opening gambit for a you know, a origin story of a character that we know quite well because I don't know how many X-Men films have been at that stage that Hugh Jackman had played Wolverine in maybe three or four. It was really good to see that and it was just so well put together and an amazing score uh, as well. So, yeah, what? that was an incredible bit of filmmaking in that much-derided film. Uh, another one that strings to mind is uh, a little bit stupider. Uh, but when I think of comedy, I always think of the rhino birth in Ace Ventura <laughs> when nature falls. Well, hang on, hang on. Is that an otherwise known bad film? Is that? <laughs> I disagree. I... <laughs> I think it's fair to say that Ace Ventura when nature calls was not as well received as the first. Yes, yes, film. That's, that's fair. Because <laughs> it's in a bit of a some lazy circle. rehash of the same jokes, but in a different locale, essentially for the most part. But the <laughs> rhino <laughs> gag is amazing. So. <laughs> When my kids come and ask me for something to eat, I still go, hungry fella. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit of context is Ace is hidden inside an unfathomable mechanical rhino spying on the buddies. His fan gives out. Is it in the Serengeti or somewhere like that? (laughs) (laughs) And he starts baking inside this rhino, doesn't he? Sweating his body weight. There's a horrendous moment when he takes off his sweat-sodden pants. Oh. And it's just... Warm! <laughs> and he ends up fully naked. Anyway, he ends up being trapped inside the rhino. And the only way he can get out is through a tiny hole at the rear of the rhino. And as he's escaping, uh, some people who are on safari come past and they're like, oh, the mother rhino's about to give birth. And it's one of the best pieces of physical comedy I, I think I've ever seen. It's Surely absolutely it's absolutely disgusting. Take. The finger to begin with. Like... <laughs> it's when his hair pops out oh. of the back of Because <laughs> he's fully naked as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, so good. Such a good so, movie. I do, I do use the uh, warm all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so quotable. <isn't> it? <laughs> Along with you know, oh, like on, on planes, peanuts. So <laughs> I have one here. <laughs> it's bulky, but I consider it character. <laughs> Peanut. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Any others, James, or do we... Uh... They're the two that sprung to mind immediately. Cool. What, do you, what do you guys... What have you guys got? To, what have you got to say? Uh, well, I mean, I, further on to uh, James's uh, Wolverine Origins thing, I found opening sequences were quite a common theme with this uh, good Ooh. scene in bad Ooh. movies. Um, the opening to Transformers 3, Dark of the Moon, 
is yes, it is really good because it like brings all the um, it's got the war on um, what's it called <laughs> Robotron. It's not called, what's it called? <laughs> Cybertron. Cybertron. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the war on Cybertron, but then it, and then it it brings it into how they got involved with Earth initially, and it's got this the moon landing. And that's what they actually found on the moon landing was these Transformers. And I thought that was... Um, that's so cool, yeah. Yeah, really good. I thought that opening sequence was really good. I remember being in the cinema just like, fuck, this is great. And then it kind of, the film kind of descended into nonsensical... And Michael Bay went, you enjoying this? Balls. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and another one was... Um, I think we may have mentioned it on, on a previous pod. Um, was... John Travolta's opening monologue in Swordfish. Oh, oh yes. yes, and the yeah. opening. Oh yeah, the opening sequence of Swordfish is fantastic. It's really good. Like his opening thing, his opening spiel about you know economics and the media, yeah. and so it's brilliant. It's very meta, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's really really good, um, and it's shot really well, and Travolta's really good. And then the opening sequence was at a time when. You know, CGI was in its infancy, really, in terms of being used on that level in blockbuster movies, and it was brilliant. And yeah, again, they just blew their load too soon, and it was like the film kind of went a bit crap. I have a there's a special place in my heart for Swordfish, but um, same here. Yeah, same here. The the opening sequence is just brilliant compared to the rest of the film, which is meh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought yeah, I thought thought those. Um, and then in terms of uh, the opposite of that, the, the ending of films, I don't know if this is controversial, or it might be controversial, um, the rap battle at the end of 8 Mile, because oh. I recently watched that film, and I know it was nominated for Oscars, and it's fucking awful. That <laughs> and it's, it's saved by the ending, which is brilliant. Like, I would watch that ending yeah. over and over and over again, but the rest of the film is, is pretty bad. Like, especially... Now, like it was, it was clearly Oscar bait at the time, and was very specific to the time it was made. Yeah, uh, you watch it now, and it's a bit cringe. But the 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 last twenty minutes are ten twenty minutes are fucking brilliant. Whenever he's on the mic, it's exhilarating, isn't it? Yeah, it's yes. really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, very cool. they're, they're my ones. Yeah. Nice. Um, I've got uh, Darth Maul versus Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Trice. Oh yes, <laughs> not Obi Trice. Obi Trice. <laughs> Is that because we were talking about Eminem? <laughs> that is a deep two thousands B list <laughs> rap Oh, points, points, uh, points to any listener who gets that. Um, Obi Wan instead of jewel of the instead of jewel of the fates. It's just Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, there's a really good uh, downhill snowbound truck chase in the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. I really liked um, when they're escaping Bill Fichtner's lab. And why does he back. get credit for those? He didn't direct them. Uh, no, I, I'm just saying it's the Bay. Mo- <laughs> 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 it's the it's a it's the Bay Turtles movie. Um, yeah. The high the highway chase in Matrix uh, Reloaded. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely gets. Uh, uh, I thought it was ruined by the the CGI moment at the end, which was poop. Um, it was good for the time, though. To be fair, that's the one. Yeah, but even at the time, I was like, "Oh, they look dead rubber." 
You know, like I, I, I hated myself for noticing that. Really, um, Wolverine and Sabretooth again hit my list because honestly, I thought like at that point when I saw it, I was like, "This is the best superhero movie I've ever seen." Yeah, uh, for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, for five for five incredible minutes. Uh, but you're right, the score was was it Trevor Rabin? I think it's Harry Gregson Williams. Yes, it is Gregson Williams. Yeah, uh, the C-section scene oh. in Prometheus was oh, absolutely yeah. ace. Yes, that is a great moment. I mean, it's because uh, didn't we see that together in the IMAX? We in did, 3D, yeah. Robin, we, we definitely were both did. Just like, yeah. <laughs> what, like couldn't get over what we're seeing. Yeah, oh, it's great. Um, but um, I, I'm going to finish with um, I don't know what the critical reception of the Angry Birds animated movie is, but when they are finally when they finally having tr- the main characters are having trekked up a mountain to meet Mighty Eagle. The music's like a massive fanfare, like da, 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 da. and the mighty eagle emerges from his cave, and he's you know he's majestic and huge, and then he <laughs> he just the music stops, he drops his gut and lets his gut up fall out and urinates down off the cliff, and and it goes on for so long, and the the characters are all like scarred, like <laughs> crying and vomiting at each other. That was a really good scene. Um. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Shall we dive into the... Uh, well, we best really dive into the movie itself. Let's. So tonight's film... Oh, boy, I've been so excited about this since we started this podcast. So, logline. The Blair Witch meets a super horny Harry and the Hendersons as a couple wander off in search of the big brown machine in Bobcat Goldthwait's lo-fi found footage horror... I've written Wolf Creek. It's not Wolf Creek. It's Willow Creek. (laughs) Roll that footage. Get this done. (laughs) Check one. My boyfriend's a big idiot. Check one. I said I would come on this trip to help you with your film, and it's your birthday, and we're going to have a great time, but I'm not about to say that I believe in Bigfoot. Well, then why are you here? I like being with you. I just don't want you to think I'm crazy. Pets and people go missing all the time. I'll go in there myself. You can just stay here in town if you want. You believe any nut job out there that says Sasquatch is real? Your friends will all think you're crazy, and you'll spend all of your days searching for something that you never find. I never felt this way about anyone. It's about 29 miles north of here. You come to the bottom of Bluff Creek. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. When you get in there, it's a steep canyon, there's a running creek, there's forest, it's thick, and you're going to feel how isolated they were. Callie! Come here! The real truth of it is you're out in the middle of nowhere. How do we know we're going in the right direction? You don't want to be in the movie, and now you're Stanley fucking Kubrick. Turn off the camera. There's a lot of people uh, living back in these woods, and they just don't like other people in their business. Turn that fucking thing off. Okay, let's go, Jim. See the buckshot on the sign? What is my sock doing in the tree? to come out here so people are probably fucking with us. Just go back to bed. Did you hear that? Hear what? That sounds like someone's crying.
Uh, gents, yes, we're back. Uh, um, sorry if the sound quality is different. Um, in a, a heated debate about whether the Nicolas Cage film Knowing was any good or not in the break, <laughs> which we actually all agreed it was, I still managed to un- <laughs> to disembody a, a bottle of beer over my entire laptop. <laughs> so um, the USB stuff, the, my mic is drenched. So... Um, yeah, so I, I'm very sorry for... Uh, gents, I'm really sorry for the inconvenience. I apologise. Oh, right. right. It sounds fine to me, Rob. It, it was absolutely hilarious. It was well, fun. I hope so. I hope to, and I really <laughs> hope that... I mean, I, I'm, I don't know how this computer is working at this point in time. <laughs> so, let's use the uh, good times while we have them. Um, Willow Creek, Bobcat Goldthwait. What is your relationship, gents, with this film? Well, I want to ask you what your relationship with this film is, Rob. Why Why did you pick this Oh, movie? my word. I'm not usually uh, prepared to be thrown on the spot like this. But, um, yeah, I, I really like um, found footage stuff. Um, if it's done well, there's a lot of bad found footage stuff. Um, but there's quite a bit of good found footage stuff that I really like. Um, I think you don't really need to ask me why I was interested in this film, really, do you? <laughs> <laughs> if you rhymes are like... with stigbutt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when I heard there was a Stigfoot movie that had uh, found footage, well, that was a found footage Stigfoot movie, um, I wanted to see it. I saw it about the time it came out, really, really liked it. And mostly it's always been in and around the um, subscription services ever since. So, yeah, that's... Uh, and I, I've, I've wanted to do this for ages and ages, actually. And whenever I've thought about a new one to do, another one has always popped up. And I've always thought, don't worry, Willow Creek will always be there in the background. Yeah. It's got a real break driving the new listeners, I think, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated here, James. Absolutely fascinated. So, uh, do you guys not heard or watched? Or I mean, I saw it on its initial uh, on its initial uh, festival run back in 2013. Yeah. No, I didn't. Of course, I've never Did heard you? of it, Rob. <laughs> Are you joking? Honestly, I was about, I, I literally was about I, to say, like... I was a Rob then. I was like, oh, really, James? So, like, really? Honestly. No, but James, you, you know, when it comes to cinema, you are very cultured. So I, I went with that. I, I thought that was the truth. <laughs> totally the truth. Um, no, I'd never heard of it before. and uh... Not just you didn't see it in the, you know... You went up... Oh, dear. It's not, but to be fair, that's not, that's not a diss. It's a... It is not a wide release film. I don't think it even had a theatrical release, to be honest. I don't think it did either. So it's not a it's not a mainstream movie by any stretch of the imagination, which is why we're featuring it on the pod. Nice. And what about you, Sai? Yeah, I've never I've I'd never heard of it either, apart from um You guys you never heard of this both of you had never heard of this movie. Saying, um Bobcat Goldthwait and, and, and his movie. And it's never seen it. Um as James said, you know, not not a wide. This is one of the ones where it's not a widespread movie that a lot of people will know. So, um, yeah, I was interested to watch it. Nice, because uh, since I mean, obviously, we've taken a few weeks to get together to discuss this. So I knew you'd watch this quite a bit ago, and we've deliberately not said a word about what each other thinks about it on our admin texts and stuff um obviously it's it's probably pretty well documented what i think about it yeah um <laughs> above citizen kane for you I would <laughs> <think>. <laughs> <laughs> 
so excited to know what happens here. Honestly, listeners, I've got no idea as we go forward here. This could be a massive flop. I can't wait. Uh, so uh, when I picked it, um, I was just delighted when you guys confirmed it qualified. How does it qualify, James? Budget box office? Well, I think the way in which it was qualified, so usually what we'd say is if it didn't make its budget back, then that would sort of make it qualify on on that basis. But um, the film was premiered at the 2013 Independent Film Festival of Boston and subsequently screened within such festivals as the Maryland Film Festival. And as I've sort of hinted at, it didn't have a theatrical release as far as I could see. It did make $316,000 in DVD and Blu-ray sales. I couldn't find the budget anywhere but i think it's pretty safe to assume that it wasn't very much and probably a lot less uh than that so why i think we're able to discuss this film is because it is not a mainstream movie by any stretch of the imagination that yes. never had you know a big marketing campaign and you wouldn't have been able to find it in your little local multiplex it seems to me like outside of film festivals it probably hasn't been seen other than on streamers and on uh, yes. dvd rentals so kind of like the same metric that we're allowed to bring it in that we did with dark encounter i'm calling it the bigfoot metric because you also did this with abominable as well so this is a this is the bigfoot I, rule can, can we not call it the, the rob parker metric <laughs> oh if we can then then we can extrapolate from here we can expa- ext- expand because i i have to leave bigfoot this is my last time to bring bigfoot for, to the podcast well i think i think you've exhausted all the movies about oh bigfoot. believe me i have not i have not my amazon watch list says that i've not either <laughs> There's 17 with Lance Henriksen in that we haven't done yet. <laughs> <laughs> We've done enough of them already. I'm quite disappointed Lance Henriksen wasn't in this one, to be honest. <laughs> There's no evidence to say he wasn't. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> so um, how, how therefore did it do critically, Si? Yeah, it, it's an interesting one, uh, is Willow Creek. Um, as it's one of those rarities whereby the critical reception outweighs the audience one by quite a way at least on Rotten Tomatoes, where it currently sits 80% certified fresh from 59 reviews. And then the audience figure is is quite a lowly 34%. What's wrong with people? So it's a massive swing. Honestly, um, people. It's a bit more even on Metacritic with 62 and 5.9. And then it's uh, down the line at 2.6 on Letterboxd. Review-wise, though, I, I was quite surprised. There was a lot of reviews on this, to be fair. There, there really was. Um, no Mick LaSalle, unfortunately. Bless him. Um, but the film did get a lot of love in the UK with nice. favourable write-ups from Kim Newman in Empire, gave nice. it three stars. Jamie Graham in Total Film gave it four, gave it four stars. And uh, Jeffrey McNabb in The Independent, who also gave it four stars, said, Willow Creek is yet another fan footage horror film, but it's a fresh and engaging one, combining tongue-in-cheek humour with some genuinely creepy moments. Nice. So yeah, it, it it got quite a lot of love in the UK, but there was also some um, better than average write ups over in the states uh, from Elizabeth Weltzman in the New York Daily News, who really liked it, and Eric Cohn for IndieWire gave it four stars, and David Jenkins of Little White Lies really liked it as well. Um, and then there were people like Brandon Crow in Letterboxd, who gave it a full five stars and said, "Scared a big turd out of me." <laughs> <laughs> that 
can't be a real name. I can believe it's a real review, but it can't be a real... Brand, Brandon Crow, as in Brandon Lee in The Crow. I mean, it's on Letterboxd, so I, I would wager it's not a real true... Uh, it's not a real name. Um, but no, it actually, like, yeah, it, it, it was it was all definitely better than average um, on the, the critical side. Um, not so much audience-wise, at least on the Rotten Tomatoes side, but um, yeah, it was... Uh, relatively positive i'm feeling a little better about this now guys feeling <laughs> a little better about this um i mean there's not really much to talk about in terms of production is there really i mean it it is what you it's all there isn't it yeah it's a micro micro budget it's directed by bobcat goldthwaite who is obviously um that's the police academy guy right am i yeah, going said from it's yeah. said from police yeah. academy yeah but <laughs> <laughs> Since like the mid two thousands, he's been a director of independent films and TV. He made a couple of movies with Robin Williams before he passed away, and yeah, and he's established himself as as an offbeat uh, film director. And I think he's directed a couple of comedy specials as well. Uh, and he works. Looking at his IMDb, he works a lot, but he obviously keeps things quite low budget. Uh, and this must be the most low budget film he's made out of everything. They shot it in five days, and I think it was all just basically the crew in the car and just working the way through the forest and into the uh, into the town itself. Yeah, I mean, if it was even possible to pare down the production of Blair Witch, <laughs> they seem to have done it here. I mean, it's even more stripped down with this, um, it appears. Um, obviously, I make no secret that this sort of myth which i've made no you know i don't know what i believe about this i just love the story always always love the story but um yeah it's the it's the journey they're making a journey from uh, willow creek which is sort of the last hospitable town um on the way to bluff creek which is where the famous patterson gimlin footage of you know the the one of of the bigfoot lumbering across the one that's uh, an elf <laughs> <laughs> Is it an elf? Yeah, because they do it in Elf, where uh, they say they spot an elf walking through Central Park, and he's he's lumbering. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so nice. Well, that's yeah. This is it. They're going to to try and find the exact spot where this um, this footage was taken. And by they, we mean Jim and Kelly, who are a couple. Um, that's correct she, i'm so sorry i was I, thinking about all the cr- cast and crew in the car <laughs> like all of them <laughs> but yeah jim and kelly who uh, are played by uh, alexa gilmore in kelly and bryce johnson in jim yeah and basically it's standard sort of found footage set up for characters so you need to, a reason for the for the camera to be on all the time so one of the characters automatically has to be an obnoxious dick who has to <laughs> film everything that is happening because otherwise the story won't work. And she's an actress and he's making a Bigfoot documentary. Mm. Mm. What a brilliant reason to go in the woods. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things that stood out for me of how good this film was, well, <sighs> sorry, the good, the good points of this film were these two leads. They were great. They were really good. And I, yes. I think that the key with these found footage films is them. There's two kind of key components really with it is how believable everyone on screen is to be a normal person, um, which these two leads definitely did. And then all the people they interviewed definitely did. And then also how how it's filmed as well. Like it doesn't want to seem like it's filmed 
like it's from a professional camera crew. It needs to be filmed like it's from just two randomers making their own documentary. Um, so the production quality isn't quite there. Very much like uh, three northerners making a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with one tons of load of beer all over the place. Um, and yeah, I, I think those two things... If if you're going to make a good fan footage movie, they're the things you have to hit. And I like how it op- the film opens up where it's just a microphone, the the camera's on someone's knee, isn't it? And it's just it's mm. it's a good like two minutes before they pick the camera up and stuff like that. Yeah, and the and the microphones are put on properly and all that sort of stuff. And I think that kind of sells it a bit more, and that's why it it makes it. It makes this sort of film work. Yeah, so much of this movie is delivering an illusion, isn't it? You know, like um, more, I would say than um, that than sort of mainstream Hollywood blockbusters, because you know you're going to watch a movie here, and this is masquerading as reality, and um, you have to buy into the fact that this is supposed to be the real real life. And I think that the you you're absolutely right. I think the two leads do sell it really well because they're not. There's like there's an. Um, an openness and an and an honesty to them both, both and a fragility to them both, that I really like, which works here, which probably wouldn't work in a mainstream film. Yeah, they're very naturalistic and they're funny as well. To be fair, yes, they like, are. I yeah. think my favourite stretch of the film is actually before they go into the woods when they're just hanging around <laughs> yeah. in the yes, Bigfoot I, town. I agree. Willow Creek, James, the Bigfoot town. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> Can I right? Can I just reference um, long-time listener, um, long-time friend, DL Marshall, Danny Marshall, who listens to the podcast. He took a holiday with his girlfriend to the um, to here. He wanted to go and see Bluff Creek, Willow Creek, and he drove two and a half hours from where they were staying to go to the Bigfoot Museum in Willow Creek. He got there, and there was a sign on the door that said, "Sorry, closed today." <laughs> Just so depressed, he drove home. <laughs> On a much smaller scale, I've done that several times, going to the um, Beaver Town Brewery in Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> it's always been closed. <laughs> <laughs> and had, like, there is a thematic link here. But um, in Danny, Danny then got um, a uh, still of the Patterson-Gimlin footage on his arm tattooed on. He's got a cryptid arm. What an absolute legend. Sorry. Wow. We move on. That's my next port of call. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it, the, the scenery is incredible here as well. It's absolutely stupendous, isn't it, really? The yeah, it's California is most beautiful, isn't it? It's it is, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it looks stunning on what is supposed to be a really crappy camera. As yes, well, because yeah, it's a that's crappy it, yeah. amateur documentary about trying to find Bigfoot. Um, which is like shot in your dad's camcorder or, or what yeah. have you. But it still looks absolutely so- stunning, all the scenery. And they've got so many different vistas that they can make use of. Yeah. Yes. I was really taken with the scenery, actually. I, I, and I think that obviously that adds so much to your, um, I don't know, your... It, gives it, it inflates the, the production value, it, it doesn't does. it? Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right, it does. Um, and and uh, of course, like they're going to all the real places. So all those, you know, the diners with the Bigfoot art and all that kind of stuff. I absolutely love it. Desperate to have one of those Bigfoot cheeseburger things. Oh my but, god, it was humongous. Oh, That's honestly, like about five Big Macs. That look. <laughs> as, uh, right, as a man, you know, like just before I tanned the beer all over the place, I literally walked to my fridge in the house, 
in the break and so hungry, didn't know what else to eat. So I, I took a bite out of a block of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I am like looking at that burger right now thinking, Whoa, give me. They missed a trick not doing foot longs though, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They did, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, big Bigfoot's feet would, would be longer than a foot long. Just so we... <laughs> yeah, no, I was talking about his cock. But never mind. <laughs> That's just quite, he's quite small then, is he? Yeah. <laughs> is that the smuttiest we've got on the... <laughs> I think it could be. Bigfoot, Bigfoot winky burgers. <laughs> I just think they could diversify. In, they've got Bigfoot burgers. Big, oh, big dear. Hot dogs, there you go. Yeah, they wouldn't Solid. have... I mean, like, I, can, I could go along with biting into... The, they're like... I remember going to a, a baseball game in uh, the Rockies, and, it, you know, the delicacy there was... Mountain oysters, and I was like, "Yeah, let's get some of those. They sound rad." Because I love, you know, seafood. I absolutely love them. It ain't seafood. It's <laughs> bull balls. <laughs> I don't want one of these in my seventh inning stretch. How were they? Chewy. Don't give me that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, uh, they they have burgers, um, and they you don't really see. They're obviously they've stayed somewhere the night, haven't they? You don't see any of that. I think that there must be loads on the cutting room floor in this film. I think. Yeah. Um, as they sort of found themselves as a pair, because I believe that the first time they started shooting and the first time they met was in the car that very first time when we see them. Ah, I think the editing's really clever in this film because it feels like it's literally when the their own camera starts and stops and the, the reason it's different to the Blair Witch and whether that's for the better or worse so you know you have to have the comparisons to Blair Witch because it's very similar of course you have um, to you have to and the Blair Witch does it in a way that it's a digital camera and a film camera and that's how they excuse the editing in that film because they were cutting between the film and the digital and that's how they kind of got away with it Whereas this, they kind of don't, and they've got this one camera, and that's the only thing they have, and it and it feels like it's it's like um we used to call it crash editing, where it was you, it was literally when you start and stopped really on the camera in the v in the VCR. That's um, cool. It wasn't in it wasn't in a non-linear edited software. It was literally yeah. just when they started, when they stopped, and and that's why what I liked about how this film was played out is that what it felt like and you get it when he he's introducing some shots and she makes him do it again and she makes him do it yeah, again because he's yeah. not he's not quite hitting the marks and stuff and i think that's what adds to this fan footage thing is because you get the false takes and you get the bits where it didn't quite work out whereas the blair witch kind of cheated that because they had this film stuff in there and they could easily splice it all out and yeah and what have you and if you were to be hypercritical of the Blair Witch. It's like who, who processed the film footage and then edited it together in a in a lovely yeah, little yeah, yeah. <laughs> type package. With... Some like some sick weirdo. Yeah. Like, have you seen this? I've got a snuff film here. <laughs> I'm gonna make a Bollywood movie yeah, out of it. Basically, where, yes. where, whereas this, it feels like it's they've literally found a DV tape. It, it, I agree just totally. Played it through, um, and I like that. They they do have this brilliant quality of. Um, they still have filmic sensibilities while they pull that off at the same time. The, the, you know, with um, telling a story with moving image, essentially. Um, so it's not just like, like me shooting something and hoping it ends up telling a story. They still have the cinematic flourishes of storytelling in there. 
case in point for me is spoiler alert later on when they've made their camp and they move away uh, and they wander off and oh they go swimming don't they and then they come back to the camp and they yeah the one of the characters is shocked and they pan across to the wrecked camp and that for me was so much more effective than just turning the camera on which you would do and just filming the camp wrecked you know what I mean? Like it, it, it really lent itself in a storytelling sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good point that you make, Simon, about the way that the it doesn't feel like someone found all the raw footage and then assembled it into a three act structure, which <laughs> yeah. is what a lot of found footage <laughs> films feel like. Like some, and I, th- I read a quote from Bobcat Goldthwait where he's he basically echoed that that he wasn't a huge fan of found footage films because it was like some sicko who just like found a load of footage of a family being murdered <laughs> he basically made it into a movie well, uh, look at this look at this which is so it sounds to me like it's a conscious decision to have that like the film only goes uh when when the camera goes essentially when the camera is yes. rolling yeah and yeah it's in the diner here you get nice little setups though there's still there's still a structure as well so you get nice little setups yes. you see a very uh, happy looking missing person on the yes, wall. Yes, yes. Which is I a love nice that conversation. Yeah. She looks very happy to be missing. Um, and then you, it's just a throwaway gag, but that will be coming back later on. Oh, yes. And and she does her, you know, he says, Would you do your happy missing face? Something like that. And she's doing her, you know, posing for the camera as if she's a, a happy missing person. Oddly prescient, one would say. Yeah. yeah. Really. And I just love all that like sort of playful kind of naturalistic improv that they're doing. They feel yes. like a real couple and they feel like they're having a good time. She's yeah. She doesn't believe in Bigfoot. He's all the way in. Yes. I imagine this is how many vacations go with you and Mrs. Parker, to be honest with you. This is our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go to the park without me going, is this Bigfoot territory? <laughs> the opening like 45 because it's a short movie isn't it it's like an hour and a half but the, 80 minutes I think. 80 minutes yeah the opening like 40 minutes it's, it's really funny isn't it when they do the track you know traits around the village and you know talk to people the, the, you know the locals and and they do that where they look at that mural and the guy and the guy's like oh he he's howling at, laughing so funny he's like bigfoot sad bigfoot do no one to do garden <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny, wasn't it? Is that why he's upset? He just gets made to work in the garden. All day. Yeah, he's been basically forced into into carting stuff around, building the Bigfoot town, as I'm now going to call it. No <laughs> <laughs> wonder he went to live in the woods. I know. Uh, what I also love is that while this is all happening, though, there's a sense of movement. They're always moving somewhere. They're always yeah. changing location, going somewhere. And it drives things forward that you know that, oh, they're going somewhere. They're going somewhere. And you know where they're trying to head to. And because of the, well, you know, you ordinarily know a bit of the premise of a movie before you go in there, don't you? And you know that this is going to be, um, well, I mean, for a start, it debuted at Fright Fest, didn't it? So that it ain't going to be a sedate, <laughs> you no. know, landscape movie, is it? You know that it's going to end up somewhere that's going to end up scary. And that because like every time that they're chatting in the car, landscapes whizzing by by them. And they're it's like they're being sucked forward towards this ending up in the in the woods by themselves later on. Yeah, definitely. And the it's not mocking as well of the people who live in the town who obviously make their living out of Bigfoot. It's a tourist attraction. There are believers within the town as well, isn't it? And it's not 
it's not nasty about people not who might all. believe in Bigfoot. It's quite loving, even though the girlfriend character is sort of rolling her eyes quite a bit at this. She's sort of... Yeah. Yeah, they're pleasant with them, aren't they? And but they... It's, it's even-handed and even-played, because like, they, they talk to people who believe like mad, but then they also talk to people who... Like, that that uh, elderly lady who's like, no, no, she's not real. she's running like an establishment there that's got a giant statue of Bigfoot outside you're cashing in you know like so it's I do do like that though because it looks at the because it plays with the myth for me you know it looks at the myth from all different angles and knows that there's a commercial aspect to a myth yeah it's a really nice exploration of the subculture I would say it is yeah and as we know from lots of uh uh, series on discovery and stuff like that. There's a lot of subculture here in in Bigfoot mythology and lore and stuff like that. Um, but what we really want as we progress through is we want to get to them being in the woods, really, isn't it? Well, you say that because I was actually disappointed when they went into the woods because I was enjoying the little <laughs> cavalcade of characters they were meeting as they made yeah, yeah, it was cool, yeah, yeah. Who was your favourite out of the uh, Bigfoot people that they met? In the town, Rob. Oh, I don't know. I, I tell you who who is the... Oh, I, what an idiot, right? Because I, I started this thing like, oh, we've always got to be positive and we don't talk about negatives ever and all this kind of stuff. And there's the one fella who um, I just didn't buy and he was the guy who talked about his dog getting... Are you just upset because he said it wasn't Bigfoot that killed his dog? <laughs> no, no, no. I can, I can still act as a grown-up in these scenarios. <laughs> just... All this was great because, and again, it, we it's unavoidable to hark back to Blair Witch because they did this in Blair Witch too. Yeah. You know, they went and interviewed the people in, in the town of, was it Burkittsville in Blair Witch? And um, certainly all the way through, it reminded me of my absolute fondness for Blair Witch and just how massive a shot in the arm for low-budget filmmaking that was and how you could tell a story differently. Um. No, why? Who stood in your memory, James? Oh, I've got to love the Bob Dylan of the Bigfoot community. <laughs> singing the Tommy Roger and Bob song. And then oh, it yeah, that was camera. incredible. Yeah. That was superb. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking, lads. We'd have an absolute riot in that bar. Oh, I kind of want to go. Oh, this wasn't in the bar. That was, that was another... Because t- they only have one song in this Bigfoot community <laughs> that was someone else doing it properly they met up with this guy oh, yes, with the long-haired guy I'm outside so the cabin sorry. yeah yeah and yes. he messes it up the first time and they just leave it in or as it's Simon brilliant. says it's yeah. because it's just been assembled from when they when the camera's rolling that's that's just in the movie now yeah as uh, yes I, 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 you're right I've mixed those two bits up because uh, whenever I see a bar in a film I always think like oh could we have a good razzle dazzle in there <laughs> And it's like, is this Roadhouse? This is Bigfoot Roadhouse. We can have a good time here. I mean, I definitely, I definitely want to have the Bigfoot burger. It looks absolutely incredible. It looks so nice. All over that. <laughs> um, they end up, they, they, obviously, they, they get directions uh, from a kindly... I mean, and he's probably the most credible witness guy in the thing, isn't he? The the guy who's sitting surrounded by his books and stuff like that. Because he works in it? a bookshop. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, yes, Jay. <laughs> you have to suspend the belief in the Bigfoot community a little bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, he says he draws them a map of where they got to go, and they head out there, and then they meet an absolute loony bird who comes up and um, you know shouts in the window at them to get the camera off and tells them to go away and all that kind of stuff. And I I love this bit in terms of like having to 
film these things over like a fan footage like type of movie. It's quite hard to get cinematic moments, but I thought this shot was brilliant where you get, they go to this Bigfoot forest and then um, you just see the silhouette of this big burly bloke walking up the hill and you're like, is this a Bigfoot or is this, and it just turns out to be some random dude. But the I just forest think dwelling was... hillbilly is that. Yeah, the forest. <laughs> but I thought that moment was like it must be really hard to find those shots and those moments in a film of this ilk to be able to do that. And then this bit was like really good. And then this was kind of the gateway into when it became a horror, wasn't it? From this, yeah. yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, um, where it was, it became quite scary. Well, for me, anyway. Yeah, the minute they left the car, it's like, oh, well. Safety is no longer here. So disappointed. I was like, just go back to the Bigfoot town and sing some songs and have some nice burgers. <laughs> and stuff. Eat, eat burgers till you're all sick. Must just we get that. lost in the woods? Off we go. <laughs> but the thing is, I, I, given the chance, if you gave me like the chance to do this right now, I would definitely go and do this. I would absolutely do this. Yeah. Oh, can 100%. we do it? Can we arrange it? Fuck that. I would be back in Willow Creek, <laughs> chilling with the guys in the bar. <laughs> I'm going to wander around the bookstore. I am not going camping in the bloody woods, in the Bigfoot <laughs> would you, woods. Would you, could not. we be like uh, on the radio for me inside, though, James? You it know, would like, have to hey, be a mate. radio as well. There's no cell phone reception. Oh, is... heck. Okay, <laughs> I'm second. I'm second. I'm second. I'm, I'm, second. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure right. I'm So this. can I just speak to you both? Like, so hang on a minute. I'm going out in the bush, and you guys are just chilling out at the Bigfoot bar eating their massive <laughs> burgers. So, ba- <laughs> so basically... What what we've established is James stays back at the the ranch with the burgers. We I get as far as the guy telling us to go back, and then you carry on forward. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going. To, I'm I'm literally. I'm going to Bluff Creek. Seriously, well, I'm me going and there. Simon have to hang back to put the footage together so that we can make an absolute. <laughs> yeah, <fortune>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it looks really bad, I'll drop a, G- a GPS pin on WhatsApp so you can come and find the footage and just do it together cinematically. Three act structure, if you don't mind. <laughs> Paint yourselves in a good light, if you like. You know, I went off by myself. <laughs> Just do what you need to do. <laughs> we'll cut off the bit where we left, where we drove off without <laughs> it. The conversation in the car park by that massive eighteen-foot Bigfoot. Like, yeah, Rob, we're not coming with you. Like, <laughs> What? <laughs> We're just going to hang out with, with Waylon in there and <laughs> playing his Bigfoot ballads. <laughs> just, we'll see in a couple of days. There is a definite bit where you're like, you wouldn't, would you? But no, but now I'm thinking about like, I definitely would. I've thought about this loads. I definitely, definitely would. Given the opportunity, I 100% would. I love the fact that he does the same and... I love her for the fact that she goes, yeah, I'll come with you. Yeah. Because she's got the conviction of her belief, but she's also got her love for him, which doesn't quite pan out how you imagine as well. Because in all the things that, that this film has and squeezes into 80 minutes, there's a proposal in there. Oh, yeah. Again, is this ripped from your life, Rob? Is this similar to the proposal <laughs> that you gave um, yes, to your wife yeah. in the Bigfoot forest? In it's tent? not. It's not. But it's true that I tried to propose to Becky five times. Um, it wasn't because she rejected me four times and then said yes on the fifth. It was just she guessed them all before. You know, like, I tell you what, she'd never have guessed it in the Bigfoot forest, I promise you. <laughs> you I'm amazed you didn't have Bigfoot officiating at your wedding, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> 
but the, the beats are all here. Um, we're, I'd love to watch this on the big screen. Really would love to watch this on the big screen. Because the, the sound is all there. The, the rushing creak of the title is, is going by. It's great. One of the things I, I did actually really like about this film was the sound design. I thought it was really good how the sound was recorded. Whether it was done really basic and, and just on a camera, I don't know. But it just sounded amazing. And then there were, I'm sure we'll get to shortly, why there were bits that were really scary about the sounds. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, this? Oh, absolutely just, sick. Just, just Absolutely sick. sick. And also the lovely, um, oh, I don't think ever. You know, things like that. It's quite a weird one because you you get to this like a halfway point, this hour point in the film, and then it just turns into a scarefest bonanza. And and I I'm really I'm going to be the first to admit I had to get out from my sofa and then stand back and perch on the end of my kitchen counter to watch the rest of this movie because <laughs> oh, God, it was just. From this point on, as soon as it got dark and the tents came out and got wrecked, I was just like, I, oh. I have to turn it down to volume like four and then stand <laughs> right back. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> really scary. So there's really a scary. basically they're in the tent and they're they're awakened by what I put in my notes is Sasquatch based rustling. <laughs> Yes, and there's like a I, I, I don't want to call it a continuous shot. It's a fixed camera. Shot, yeah, that goes on for how do you know how long that shot 15, went on? 18, 18 minutes, minutes, is it? 18, 18 minutes. minutes, it is, yeah. Flipping and eggs. all it is is them two absolutely bricking it in this tent and hearing so random good. Bigfoot noises outside the tent. Or is it Bigfoot noises or is it the hillbillies? This is what's always well, this is it, but the, it's the like the little yelps, like oh, oh. You know, like the oh, that get progressively closer. Oh, it's awful. The screams from quite distant, like it's just, it's a bit. Oh, it, and it's the way. I mean, it, this uh, for me. I, I, this is going to spoil the you know best bit of the movie. But this is just astonishing for me. This because they're brilliant. The two actors are brilliant, mm. and um, they're totally believable while this is happening. And uh, yeah, apparently, like filming it, it was just. The cast and crew outside just trying to mess up the the cast as much as possible. <laughs> yes, you know, it's uh, so good. Well, it was Goldfight himself doing a lot of the noises outside. Mm. Obviously, he's got quite a distinctive voice. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's seen the Police Academy pictures will know that he's got quite a... <laughs> pictures. <laughs> JCPD. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he was having a whale of the time, and there was a lot of wood knocking, wasn't there? And just oh, random howling, and yeah, everyone just in need of new underpants after a night like that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I shot, I got goosebumps. <laughs> it was very scary. Oh yeah, it, it, and it gets it, it's the proximity because. Um, I, I like turning it off. This is why I'd love to have listened to it in surround sound um, in a theatre. But, like, it started a long way away and weird. And then suddenly, like, the, the expert bit for me was when one of the branch cracks was suddenly really close. Yeah. And then that, like, made the tension go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're suddenly 100 miles an hour. I am. And then the big footsteps around the side of the tent was excellent. And they're, <gasps> 
<laughs> Imagine this in the cinema, or me and my other half's fort we made when we watched the <laughs> um, you Which would you feel abandoned. Like, you, you would you would feel like you were in the tent with them because Oh yeah. Like oh, if you're yeah. in the cinema. I think it would have been a lot better in the cinema, I have to admit. I do think it would have been I'd agree. I, I think uh, it'd be great if they did a, a run of this in, in, in cinemas because I, I do think it would be way more effective. Yeah, I'd agree. And and from there they wake up the following morning, don't they? And they've not slept a wink. Yeah, and um, they've got to get out of there. Yeah, and they start going, and then it's the the Blair Witch trope again. Like, oh, we've gone in circles. We're knackered. We're we're not we're not going to escape. And it's they walk back after hours of walking. They stumble back upon the campsite they've they left earlier. Oh, and, oh yeah. it's just the heartbreak of seeing that. Is, oh, it's nightmare. awful. It's awful. Whereas I'd be like. Get in, lads. Another night in Bigfoot country. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that, that clip of Jeremy Corbyn coming down the down the stairs after they lost the general election, like, we're back and we're going to do it all over again. <laughs> uh, and, and then, yeah, the, the sun goes down, uh, but they realise they're being chased and there's Sasquatch-based footsteps now. All around them. Oh, they go and to a, just... they go to like a uh, the edge of the river, don't they? And they see they do, yeah. And, oh. and there's movement in the bush, and and, and then that, that whatever that is then chases them away. And yes, and this is the this is let's talk Frank, gents. Okay, let's talk let's talk brass tacks. Um, I adore the movie up to this point, and then I feel like we're getting a little shortchanged because. You want to see something a little more substantial than a bush wiggling. I understand why they did it, because if you take a film like uh, Jeepers Creepers, which is brilliant for the first hour, and then as soon as they reveal who the Jeeper Creeper is, it becomes... (laughs) The Jeeper Creeper! So good! (laughs) It becomes a bit crap, and you're like, I'm I'm not scared anymore, because I know it's this ridiculous Mothman thing. And I guess that's what they they were doing with this, where they were like, "Let's not show it because it's a lot." Of, the the menace is a lot scary if you don't see it, like in the haunting yes. in the is it the fifties? Uh, yeah, like um, in every good movie ever made, really. Yeah, yeah. The the longer you don't see it, the the scarier it gets. Which, you know, I kind of see why they did it, but then I did as a as a viewer of of the film, I I was a bit gutted. I'd never got to see all. I got to see was um. A uh, big fat naked lady. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised they didn't go for a uh, a Gimlet esque sort of style, you know, in terms of the uh, the classic footage, like where they actually catch maybe a, a long shot of a of a blurry big foot. Uh, yes, I thought they were going to go for that. I can understand why they didn't do it because clearly it's it's not a big budget film. This, I mean, and... I mean, it appears they didn't even have a budget for a costume because you no. don't ever see anything. No. And that's just the thing. Like I think, like it would have rewarded the audience a little bit. Like, I, and I love that idea of perhaps seeing something. You could have done it at that bit when the the bush wiggled. Yeah. You could have had something walking into the bush instead, um, and that would have been deeply terrifying. Yeah. And unsettling and stuff, and more than a wiggly bush. But I like this different take, though. I mean, we had we had the. Um, the mad uh, take of a very, very angry Bigfoot in Abominable that just wanted to kill everybody. And this is this guy's lonely. He's trying to set up a harem. <laughs> you know, he's, he just wants 
to get forever macking. <laughs> is that what you think it is? So basically, to sort of cut to the end a little bit, is they get chased yeah. around by an unseen Bigfoot, and they sort of feel like something is very close to them, and then they go wandering into the shadows, don't they? And they find the woman who was on the missing poster back in town. Yeah. And she's completely naked and just howling weirdly, yes. isn't she? So yeah. is that what you took away, that Bigfoot and her are forever making? <laughs> yes, I, I took it that um, there is a, there is this thing in um, Bigfoot mythology where... Um, oh, here we go, deep cuts now. Where Bigfoot is is does apparently you know there's a multiple stories of Bigfoots um, taking uh, women as their sort of their prizes their concubines. Um, Oh my! And yes, oh my! I know, yeah. And this is um, yeah, this uh, for me that this was this is what made this myth more interesting. So instead of it just being a shock ending, it it offered a new Dimension on a myth for me. Ah, that works better now for me because obviously, as someone who is not as steeped in Bigfoot mythology as yourself, Rob, <laughs> I was like, why is there a r- random woman walking around the forest naked howling? But if she's actually. No, seriously, it's like. Bigfoot misses, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> um, in di- apparently, indigenous tribes were always reporting it that um, uh, their women would go missing and they'd see them following Bigfoot. Much later on, because well, I wonder why. <laughs> you had one of them burgers. <laughs> so yeah, so no, but I I really liked it for that because it was different than just he's killing everybody. He's just you know maybe does this particular Bigfoot does he want um the uh, does he want Kelly, um and he feels threatened by um Jim is it Jim was it Alex? yes Jim, Jim? yeah. Jim, yeah, sorry. I I saw this a wee bit differently because I thought it was, um, you know, when they were looking at the murals and it was the Bigfoots being basically used as labour. <laughs> Bigfoot does not want to do landscape. Bigfoot does not want to do landscape gardening. Um, and and I thought that's the hillbilly who stopped them from going into the forest. He was part of the, that. The, the the bunch of humans who were making them do all their oh really time. that's so crisp I love it the idea is like guys you don't want to go down. we've got an errant gardener he's gone mad <laughs> down there yeah don't and, go and, there. and I just thought he was like you know, we don't want you to ruin this lovely slave labour we've got going on down here <laughs> logging and stuff like that with all I the big love pots. it and they no, were that... using and they were using the women as like uh, payment. Oh, them. like yeah, that's way more sinister. Just think, all this could have been avoided if Bigfoot had a decent was part of a decent trade union. Trade. <laughs> <laughs> we could have an accord, interspecies accord. At this point, we just don't have one. I, but I love this. I do like it when um, a, a story leaves you to make up your own mind as to what's happened. Yeah. Yes, I it, really like this that. film definitely did do that. Really yeah, and and but it it gives you enough tools to set you in a direction you possibly didn't think of. So uh, yeah, I, I I did like it. I would love just a little sight of the big guy. Yeah, that's probably the kid in me that wants that. But um, just a sight of the big guy would be amazing. But aside from that, yeah, there's there's um uh, just fall over, 
camera folds over. I think Jim's holding it at this point. Yeah. And then it gets dragged a long, long way. And then there's, which is terrifying. And then there's uh, like <sighs> breathing all around it. And then it goes black. And yeah, well, we um, hear uh, um, hear his girlfriend screaming off camera. Oh, we do, don't we? Yeah. Oh, and then my pants are full of poop, <laughs> and that's that's the finale. And that in itself, I mean, there's so many questions you could ask there, but um, oh, it's awful. That's a horrible ending. Oh, yuck! And then the hillbillies decided they were going to go to fright fest with it <laughs> with the movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, can I have your best bits then, guys? It's the Bigfoot mural, which <laughs> yeah, is so good, isn't it? Yeah, Sasquatch being forced to build the town. <laughs> yeah, I, I had totally forgotten about that until you mentioned it earlier. <laughs> Disgruntled! Have you seen it's what they're happened. making us do now? Have you seen this? <laughs> Bigfoot's sad. <laughs> I'm going to get on to Bob at Project Management. I'm not happy with this. <laughs> What about you, you Sai? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the tent bit scared the shit out of me, but um, I, I loved the interview with the woman in the town outside the big Bigfoot statue where she was doing to the... So do you believe in Bigfoot? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's again very, very good. <laughs> Just, she was great. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I did actually like, as the whole film, I did actually prefer that side of the film where it was just in the town and talking to the people and all stuff like that. Yeah, so. do, you, do you think if so we had a slightly more balance, perhaps a little bit longer of that, and then more of an ease into what came next and a bit longer of the time in the woods, do you think that would make, make for a perhaps more fulfilling film experience? Not necessarily longer. I just think maybe a bit more, because I think they had enough time. I think where it split, because it, it was literally down the middle. It, it was, got yeah. to the half, halfway point and then it became this scary film from what was this like comedy film in the beginning so not necessarily longer just maybe done a bit more economically i think because yeah the tent bit was terrifying don't get me wrong but 18 minutes on one shot is is a bit too much isn't uh, it, I yeah I, it was only afterwards that i realized it had been that long because actually i, I, I i've seen it a number of times now uh, full <laughs> disclosure and um i still get sucked into that tent shot i just think it's brilliant but i think possibly it's the it's the sound design, I think, that probably carries that even further than it possibly has any right to. Um, for myself, the best bits are... I mean, I'm a huge fan now, having discussed it. I was all, I was the tent dude all the way, but now I'm thinking um, big night out in the Bigfoot bar, eating them <laughs> wiener burgers and uh, listening <laughs> to that dude. I, I'm thinking we've got a great night on, lads. So, uh, yeah, that's probably my... That's probably my favourite bit, I think. And it's that like little calm before the storm that you get in the bit, doing something that's dead normal that everyone does. I love those bits in movies. Really love them bits. So, um, for your reconsideration, Willow Creek by Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, what do you think, lads? Oh, I feel bad because I've sort of really enjoyed talking about it with you guys, but it, generally speaking, it didn't quite work for me. So firstly, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage movies as a genre. So it has to be something quite innovative or different to get me on board to begin with. Uh, secondly, some nice performances and a creepy and creepy Sasquatch uh, based rummaging towards the <laughs> end aside. I did get quite bored and found myself frequently checking my watch, which isn't great for a film that is barely 80 minutes long. Yeah, that's bad. 
Overall, I, I just felt it lacked freshness and it barely mustered enough ideas and incident for a feature film. And they're limited because of the the budget. But if they could have maybe found some way to do some more set pieces or something like that, or just some more incident within the actual woods, because basically they put the tent up, the tent gets knocked down, they're in the tent, then they get lost in the woods and then they get killed off screen by, <laughs> by Bigfoot. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I just wanted more. I wanted more. Like, I, and as I say, I was really, I was actually really enjoying the, the thirty-five minutes or so leading up to them going into the woods. But then once they got into the woods, I feel like I felt like I've seen this before. It's just Bigfoot mythology as opposed to a Blair yeah. Witch or yeah. or something else in the woods. So yeah, I I didn't think it was bad at all, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone rush out to see it unless they're like yourself rob uh, a bit of a bigfoot aficionado <laughs> bigfoot I, nerd <laughs> i uh, um yeah i think that's really fair actually james i think i'm obviously hugely forgiving of this because of its subject matter and the fact that i like fan footage movies but i also like bigfoot <laughs> so, yeah, so put the two together is the melting it is it's thing, like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's perfect. Yeah, it is synergy for me. So, um, but I do totally understand, and I, I I agree hugely that there so much more could have been done with that second half because you're right. There aren't. There is no other set piece than the tent, is there really? Um, but what about you, Sam? Yeah. So I I loved what it did with how it made it that it feels like it literally was found footage and it wasn't spliced together from someone finding it and going, oh, yeah, we can edit a film together after this. <laughs> um, and it genuinely felt like it was literally someone pressing play on a little mini DV tape we found and then just watching it. That's what I loved about it. The sound design was brilliant. I thought it was really, really good. I love that opening bit with the, with the interviews and stuff like that. But, yeah, same with James. I just thought the... They could have done so much more with that last half hour. I just wish there was one more one more bit in there to just make it be a classic found footage film instead of just another good one. Because um, I think it's quite hard to nail the found footage genre. As much as it's been done to death and as much as it's, you know, since the Blair Witch, it's become like the way, you know, it's an easy, easy win for horror films. Um, you know, like Paranormal Activity and things like that. I just wish it would have maybe done something like what Host did, where it just kind of pushed it on a bit of a degree to Blair Witch. But it's good all the same. And I think if you do like the fan footage film, if you do like the mythology of Bigfoot especially, I do think you're going to get a lot out of this. I think maybe it was just a bit of a lightning in a bottle thing and it was maybe needed to be watched at the time it was made and released rather than now, because we've seen it all a bit too much right um well i hope you've all enjoyed listening to the fewer reconsideration podcast this is the last episode um, (laughs) (laughs) no i think i think uh, lads i think it's hugely fair that and i totally agree one more big bit here that was totally new in a found footage sense but also in a bigfoot sense that didn't pander to any tropes or anything like that like wouldn't it be cool if we saw bigfoot's nest Maybe I've never seen in the nest with all the. But you know, something as basic uh, as what we saw in Abominable with the red eyes in the forest. Yeah. Where there was loads of uh, just something uh, like, like that. No, I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the lack of actual Bigfoot in this Bigfoot movie is its downfall. I do agree with that. I, I obviously like. Uh, having brought it to the podcast, I could totally see everything you say there. And I totally agree with everything as well. I, I, I've established that I'm hugely forgiven of it. Um, 
I think more Bigfoot in this Bigfoot movie would have been good, but you don't need that much more. We wouldn't have needed that much no, more. No, I don't. No, I just, don't think so. No, no, I, no, I, I I'm think... agreeing with you entirely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a moose bush of Bigfoot. Just yeah, a Susan <laughs> of Bigfoot. Just give me that little, <laughs> you know, that little grace note of Bigfoot. Apparently, it stinks, by the way. So we don't want that. Um, <laughs> but he is fictional, Rob. Let's just get that straight. Let's just remember. You believe uh, what you want to believe, Rob. It's fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's real. I will, I think it's real. I, uh... I don't know. But I, what I definitely want to do is I want to go out there and get my own pants full of poo while I find out. <laughs> Should we go? Should we do a live <laughs> down with for it, your Honestly, reconsideration? I am absolutely... We're live from Bluff <laughs> Creek. <laughs> James is in a bar. <laughs> he he would, would not come. He's in a bar in LA. He wouldn't go any further than that. He didn't even come up the coast. <laughs> in a bar in Manchester. He didn't get a plane. We're on sat phone to James. <laughs> uh, no, I, a quick I, update. Not heard from Rob and Simon for 10 days. <laughs> not looking good. We're still recording it because what a movie that will make. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think that... Um, Certainly, there's uh, there's a lot to enjoy. Um, there's some very very creepy moments, um, and yeah, if you like your found footage stuff, if you like your creature movies, I think you'll get a lot out of this. I really do. Um, but I've had an absolute riot chatting it through with you, and I think the good thing is as well, you know, you can be open to criticism about movies you love. I love this movie, but I also know where it fails. Honestly, Rob, it's made me like it more having talked about it. Yeah, I like it more than I did initially. Yeah. Oh, you guys, you guys. And it is on Amazon Prime streaming at the moment yeah. if anyone wants to check it out. And it's 80 minutes. As I say, I found it a bit of a slog, but 80 minutes is, you know. Yeah, you can go and nice enjoy and it for the, the, it? the prince of a solitary, for the price of a solitary Jeff Bezos. So go for it. <laughs> It was only long for me because I shat myself constantly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that another? Yeah, that's another, another visit. That's another, another change of underpants. Can you imagine how many underpants? Like the backpacks would just be underpants. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> all that let's take let's be honest. I wouldn't last two minutes in the forest camping <gasps> where Bigfoot was. <laughs> Could you imagine my diary I'm there by myself? Like... Well, I'll see the other raccoon go. Oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so much fun. It'd be so great. Oh dear, fellas, it's been brilliant. Um, what have we got next time? Whose pick is it? It's mine. Oh my goodness! Oh, yes, you cheeky devil. So we've not had Tony Scott on the pod for a while. We've not had Denzel on the pod for a while. So let's bring them back. For some time traveling shenanigans. Oh, and this is deja vu. Right, that's it. All bets are off. I cannot wait. Oh my word. Deja vu's great. This doesn't qualify. This can't qualify. <laughs> people didn't people didn't appreciate Tony Scott while he was around. Now oh, wow. I mean, he's like he's like the 90s John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, please tune in in a couple of weeks for Deja vu. I don't I, I'm numb to how that qualifies, to be honest. <laughs> But anyway, we'll soon find out. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Please tune in next time for Deja Vu, as we've discussed. This is a repeat of uh, <laughs> information you already know. Um, and uh, give us five stars on your subscription services of choice. And uh, chat us up on the Twitters. It's really great chatting to you all. And uh, thanks for everything. Stay safe. Keep enjoying the sunshine. And get out there. All our best. Say bye-bye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I'm going for a Primark pack of 14 underpants for a two-day trip on this. 
<laughs> Bigfoot go to bed. Bigfoot tired after part. <laughs> <laughs>